Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. This week, we got to drop in with spring training. We got to talk some Cubs today. We're going to bring on my Cubs partner in crime, the guy that I like to talk to when I go to the north side, the guy who knows how to grow the ivy, Sean Graves. How are you, man? I'm doing good, brother. It's nice to be back on the podcast. Uh, this is uh, number three, I believe, so far, right? This is number three. I'm you know what it, happens you, once you get to a baker's dozen you get a free subway sandwich my friend <laughs> oh it better it better be the rotisserie because that's my favorite let's do it yeah let's get the punch card out let's make sure you're punching some holes <laughs> so we're gonna go over just a couple of things today we're not gonna dive in too deep it's still the spring let's not get too serious about it but we still it's love early, watching our early. team we love monitoring we love looking at them so let's just go with uh sean i just want to hear about your early thoughts on the first couple of days of spring, besides, you know, the renewal and metamorphosis of our nature, the thawing of our long winter slumber, uh, the <laughs> the renewal of our soul and spirit and passion. Let's just keep it Baseball. on the field. Yeah. First couple of days of spring training. How do you feel? What have you seen? What do you like? Well, you know, let me just say, first off, how good is it to see, like, baseball back on on TV, on the marquee network, right? It's baseball is back. And to see that first lineup popping up on social media, it just, you know, it, it kind of takes my my heart out of the the deep freeze of the Chicago winter and warms it up and lets me know that the boys of summer are back. So just first off, just super excited to have baseball back. Uh, so far, just like in some spring training, I'm, I'm, I'm digging it, man. I'm digging the vibe. I'm digging what we're hearing. I'm, I'm kind of digging what it sounds like Rossi's been bringing to the room and how excited the guys are to play for him. Besides the flu? Besides, yeah, besides him coming in and getting, you know, the flu and missing Everyone's sick. Game. <laughs> right. Hey, look, if let's just hope and pray, right? That's the worst thing that happens all season. Rossi got the flu and missed the first three games, right? Get it out hey, of the I, way I'm now. married. There's nothing, there's nothing more of a bonding experience than getting someone that you love sick. Oh, I bet. Oh, man, that's got to be a fun conversation. Well, and apparently the, apparently the boys were just sending Rossi texts left and right, especially Rizzo was leading the way on that, I'm sure. So, yeah, yeah King, man, Kangaroo, trying... Court, Kangaroo Court, I think, is going to oh, have yeah. a couple of shekels in the, in the coffee oh, cup before, I, I, before I, I, long. I would imagine for sure. But, yeah, man, just excited. Baseball is back. I think the first week and a half, everything, you know, I think, you know, at least so far, knock on wood, we haven't had any – you know, injuries, thank God, right? Like, we're not the Yankees dropping pitchers left and right here. So that's the good first step. And there's been a few, you know, a good initial development, which I'm sure we'll get into. You know, Almora's looked great so far. I think Hap's been decent so far and so forth, right? Uh, but, yeah, man, just excited about baseball, excited about the first week and a half so far. Yeah, sometimes the best part about baseball, and obviously now that spring training's here, is, you know, with other sports, you kind of, like, with basketball, I'm always like looking up the schedule. It's all right. Okay. Yeah. Tuesday, Friday, Sunday, Tuesday, yeah. Thursday, Saturday, baseball, yep. baby. Every day. Tick, 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 yep. tick, 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 tick. They're here for you. Just got a matter of whether it's during the daytime or the nighttime. Um, and it's just great to be back. And I know we've had some conversations here on the pod and we've been texting and, you know, I feel like over the past, you know, we're in a great era of Chicago Cubs baseball, right? Absolutely. And I feel like this past winter was perhaps the most depressing or, I mean, I mean, how could we not, how could we not think a little, a trend a little negatively towards this team? Sure. And now that they're kind of back, back in uniform, you see all the pieces, it starts to kind of like the arrow starts to just turn up just a little bit, you know, and then you start kind yeah. of wrapping your head around, all right, KB at the top of the lineup, the boys are back in, 
oh yeah, that's right. We still kind of have five all-stars in our lineup. You know what I mean? Like it all sort of kind of starts to come back into focus. And yeah, I think a couple, uh, a couple early signs, you know, let's get on the record here. Right. And I think you can agree with me that, you know, spring training, you got to really be careful what you're taking away from who and when, and, and there's a lot of wait and see, and some of it can actually translate to the regular season. Some of it, in my opinion, doesn't translate at all to the regular season. Absolutely. But it is cool to see the boys back in, back in the blue and the red. Well, yeah, you know, and, and like you said, taking into account, you know, it, we remember, right, like spring, uh, spring training, what was it, two years ago, where Ian Happ just looked like the second coming, right? Like he was a beast. And then first bat of the season, he hits a home run. And next thing you know, it, that was it. That was the highlight for his season, right? Like, so you're right. We have to take into account what a guy does in spring training, who he's doing it against and so forth. I think it really is more about like guys that have struggled really honing in and checking, checking in on mechanics, you know, have they changed batting stances and, and, and things of that nature, which, you know, Al Moore is another good one where you look at him already, you could clearly see, see his, his swing, his stance is different. The kid did put the work in, hopefully it translate. Right. But that's definitely something to keep an eye on early is, you know, what, what guys are doing and who they're doing it against and not getting overconfident. And, you know, going into what you said about the off season and, and feeling down and blue, you know, we were kind of set up for that though. We've, we've had the, the Theo press conference, you know, conference back-to-back years, unacceptable. We're not going to do that. There's major changes coming, and just nothing has happened. Yeah, that's a great point. We were kind of set up for yeah. some sort of, like, drastic change of some kind. And, uh, you know, then when it didn't happen, or every single day this KB trade watch continued to march on and on yeah. and on, and you keep thinking that this big – this big swift moment is coming and then it never comes. Honestly, it's kind of a breath of fresh air to just kind of like exhale, reset as a Cubs fan and be like, okay, yeah, this is, this is the team we got. It's, yeah. it's, it's fairly similar to the team that we had last year, which by the way, keep in mind, I just want to throw something out there. I don't mean to get off on a tangent real quick. I do want to get back to spring training, but I am so sick of everyone talking heads, fans, whatever you want to call it. You know, just saying the word 84 wins last year as if that team was an 84-win team. Now, of course, the record is who you say you are, right? But, like, of course, that team was 10 to 14 games over 500 the entire season. You know what yep. happened in September? They lost nine games in a row. You know how hard yep. that is to do in a pennant race yep. to completely collapse like that, to lose guys like Rizzo and Baez and then drop nine in a row like that, to lose Quintana's spirit and mind who's his body was still on the mound but well and and not just lose nine games in a row but after being a dominant home home team yes to have what was it like six games in a row at home you know with injuries and such so you're absolutely right you know that's the thing too and as cub fans like with expectations like this team is not the 2011 cubs we do still have multiple multiple all-stars on this team that are trotting out there every day that are seasoned that, you know, again, are hopefully going to grow up. Hopefully you're going to see a step taken forward by one or two of these guys to kind of vault the team even into a better position than last year. But yeah, this is not 10 years ago, eight years ago. We just have to put things a little bit of perspective. Again, we were kind of set up for this huge change of an off season that didn't happen. Okay. That's in the past now. Now, like you said, spring training is here. The boys are back. 
Let's get our head right and trust that these guys are going to put forth a good season. At least, at least get off to a good start into a good fight. Yeah, so let's go, let's go into spring training just a little bit here, and I, I feel like we've got kind of two things going on. We've got the Ian Happ index, which is the guy yeah. who rakes in spring, uh, the guy who fills your cup up with optimism. May your cup of flow over. And then you've got the John sure. Lester index, who, by the way, ho-hum, got rocked the other day. But it's a big who gives a shit, right? Like, you just want Lester yes. to get through, get his innings in, stay healthy, and be able to pitch, you know, 70 to 90 pitches on opening day. So yep. that, those are the guys you're not really paying attention to. You're not really paying attention to Rizzo. You know, if Schwarber hits 175 in spring, are we really going to freak out a little bit? Are there some yeah. guys besides – Ian Happ, and I do want to talk about Albert Amora, that you're sort of kind of keying in on to see, you know, like, for example, Rowan Wick got roughed up the other day. Now, I know yeah. it's his first start, but you do want that guy firing on all cylinders by the time that the bell yeah. rings. Are there some guys that you're kind of, like, keying in on, just keeping your eye on? It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if they had success in spring training. Absolutely. Well, I think, first and foremost, don't we have to go to the second base position? Aren't we keying in on that? Like, are, you know, Nico Horner, Jason Kipnis, Bodie, Descalso, th those four dudes we have to key in on because, you know, is Nico Horner going to flat out just take the job and win it and be out of the gates? Because if he's not, he can't be a platoon guy at this point in his development. Then he has to go back to AAA. So then what are we – are we platooning Kipnis and, and Bodie? I, I don't know that I can – can watch Descalso again at second. I mean, you know, again, unless the guy hits 450 in spring and you just can't leave them off the roster, I don't know if I can go that route again. So for me, I'm definitely, definitely, definitely paying attention to that second base spot and want to see what, what Horner and Kipnis specifically can do in the spring and see what that – because I, I really think that it's probably one of those two guys that are your opening day second baseman. That, that, that's, my, that's my thought on that. Yeah, the cream has definitely got to rise to the top yeah. there. It would be terrible if all four of them struggle, and now all of a sudden, Absolutely. you know, it's a big what-do-you-kind-of-do moment. But that's a really great point because I think as a Cubs fan, I think what we really struggled with last year, which is something that was kind of a hallmark of Cubs teams' past, is, you know, you've got your headliners, your Baez, your Rizzo, your Bryant, your Contreras. But, um, and I think this is something that's been hit on in other circles too as well, uh, other Cubs circles is – you know, the depth just wasn't there yeah. the way it has been in the past. Like, the plug-and-play guys, and obviously, you know, maybe in retrospect, that's what doomed Joe Madden in the end is because that's what he loved yeah. to do. He loved to play all of his guys all the time. And when yeah. you've got a guy like Descalso, who isn't a great player, but at least a decent bench player, completely fall off the map last year. Yeah. You got Ian Happ, who can't, yeah, Ian Happ, who can't get out of the minors to, re, to help the team again. That was a piece that Joe Madden had to play with before. Yep. David Bodie, I mean, taking a severe step back. I'm glad to see he's off to a good start these first few games. But, you know, I think it is fair to question whether he has, you know, major league staying power. I know he signed a five-year, yeah. $15 million deal, but this is a bit of a prove-it moment for him. And then you've got Jason Kipnis. Jason Kipnis is kind of an interesting – man, that is an interesting signing, right? Like, yeah, can he help you through 162? <clears throat> Not sure, but, like, let me throw a couple of things at you real quick. Like, here's some things that Jason Kipnis does bring to the table, right? Like, he doesn't have a lot of high OBP. He's a left-handed bat. But 
in his final 53 games last year, slash 253, 09, 455, with 10 home runs, 11, uh, 11 doubles, and 31 RBIs. That's not terrible, especially if you play no. that out through the course of an entire season. And here's something else that I didn't really know either. Man, if Jason Kipnis can make this team and just be a part of it, he doesn't have to be a star, doesn't have to be a starter, but he brings something to the table that we really lacked last year, and that's hitting with runners in scoring position. I've been big on it yeah. all winter in our podcast. Yep. I know it's a stat that seems kind of easy, but, man, on this Cubs team, it is so important. And last year he hit 271, slugged 505 with runners in scoring position. Uh, you know, the year before, hit 292 with a 905 OPS in 2018. Hit mm-hmm. 257 and 17. Hit 277 and 16. Now, th- those aren't eye-popping numbers, but guess what? That's like top five numbers on this Cubs roster right now. Yeah. In terms of well, hitting and also, you know, scoring position. Yeah, and, and also, you know, you're, you're not going to ask Jason Kipnis to slide in and bat at the top of your order. So you're taking that guy with those numbers, and he's batting, what, seventh or ninth, depending if they do the pitcher as, as the eight or nine hitter. And all of a sudden, if you have a guy like that, too, that can get on base down that – you know, that low in the order, especially considering we're going to go KB Rizzo to start, that sets those guys up from RBI chances, you know, in that, in that second, third, fourth inning, and then back around later in the game. So that's, that's kind of what you're looking for. I don't need Jason Kipnis to be an all-star again. I don't need him to be up there hitting 300 with the 360 on base clip. If the dude can hit 250, 260, can get on base at a 320, 330 clip out of that 7, 8, 9 spot with what we have coming up next, and play solid defense, that's probably a win-win for the Cubs, considering what he also brings from a veteran leadership standpoint into that clubhouse and all the experience that guy has in the playoffs with the Indians the past, what, three, four, five years. Yeah, add on top of that, too, uh, Chicago kid. Uh, Chicago North, kid, for North sure. North Shore's finest, if I might add so <laughs> myself. So, you know he's going to be jacked to be playing on the north side. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people don't like really look at RBIs anymore, but I think that would be a really interesting benchmark for him. Yeah. That if he can give you 50 to 70 RBIs from that spot in the lineup, which is a great, great point on your part, because mm-hmm. if you do go with KB on top at the leadoff, now you're kind of asking yourself some questions. Like, all right, like, you know, I, I probably would hit the pitcher eighth, honestly, and I would try yeah. and find a combo with either Jay Hay or Kipnis in that spot. Perhaps Nico Horner can stick around and play at the bottom on those days, maybe put a little yeah. speed there. So if KB does hit a ball down the line for a double, you know, all of a sudden, yeah, you're you know, you've got, some, you got something cooking a little bit. Yeah. And I'm just kind of interested to see, you know, the Horner thing for me is personally, if he doesn't make it out of spring training, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to lose my hair. You know what I mean? Um, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, me either. And I, and I don't think we should think of it any really any other way. If he does play out of his mind and doesn't make the opening to roster, I think that is just, uh, you know, yeah. that's just a little bonus. Well, and I, and, I th- and I do think, you know, the only way he probably does grab that spot and make the opening day roster is if he does play out of his mind, right? Like if he's just decent in spring training where you're like, okay, First, you know, real, real probably – or second probably full big league spring training. He was okay. He's probably going back down, and he rightfully should. No need to rush him, especially if, especially if a guy like a Kipnis or a Bodie has a great spring that you can plug and play on opening day. So you're right. No need to freak out there, you know. Because, I, I, again, I don't think he's going to make that opening day roster unless he plays out of his mind. Because you're not going to – again, you're not going to keep him on the team to be a platoon player, to sit behind a Kipnis, because then you're just stunning his development and it's costing you down the line, right? 
well, yeah, if he's playing every like third or fourth day, and then you yeah. got the whole situation too, where, you know, the baseball season's a long season. He goes through like a one for 12 stretch. What do you do with him? Do you sit him down? Yeah. Do you let him play through it? Obviously in that particular case, maybe you're probably sitting him in those situations and giving a bat sure. to other people. And then he's getting further and further, you know, down the rabbit yeah. hole. And here's the other one too, as well is I'm not giving up on Ben Zobrist at some point this season coming back. Um, I want to be first to the, I want to be first in line to this. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to the pre-sale before the tickets happen. I'm just not shutting the door on the concept of come June or July. If the Cubs are over 500, he gets the itch. It's a big giant. Yeah. Who cares? Let's see what you got. Comes back. Not only would he be a fantastic, just pinch hitter, giving you a professional at bat, sure. but plays once or twice a week. I mean, doesn't sound like much, but I think it could be something that matters. And obviously, he's a great clubhouse guy. And if you're not in a position where, you know, I think we're going to get into the salary cap and the luxury tax and all that stuff another day. But if you are in a situation where you can't really add on a lot of money in July, sure, interesting possibility. Well, I think, A, you're right. He's probably a guy to keep an eye on on social media the next few months to see if he's, you know, putting any videos out on Instagram or Facebook or whatnot of him in the batting cage, you know, stuff, stuff like that. See what's going See if he's keeping himself in that baseball shape. That could be a possibility. And he's out at second, dinner. I think, he's out at dinner and his fingers are taped. <laughs> yeah, right. You're like, whoa, or what's going on? Or, you know, he's, there's a video of him going for that bike ride. He's in full Cubs uniform. You know what I mean? You're like, what? Wait, so why is he wearing spikes? Little, why he's at Gibson's right now and he's wearing spikes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, but then I think also the other really, really big thing on something like that happening is the Cubs have to be in it, right? They have to be, they have to be right there competing for the division for something like that. Because, no, you know, no way is he going to come back if they're 10 games out and they're trading KB at the break or whoever at the break. You know what I mean? So those are, that's, that's the, I think the big thing with that, but never say no to some Zobers, man. Like you said, that guy knows how to swing the bat. You know, he could like, you know, he, he's kind of like Lestella, you know, Mr. 3 a.m. He can kind of roll out of the bed, see the ball good, give you a solid four five, six pitch at bat, you know, so never, never close the door on that for sure. Yeah. I'm not going to shut the door on him just yet. And we're going to be the first ones to the party on that. I want to get to our second topic. Um, and then we're going to wrap up this week. We're just going to kind of, Keep dropping in on this little spring training here. See how we feel. Sure. Keep kind of like looking at some different things. And today, I kind of wanted to focus on the starting rotation. Yeah. A couple of different things I sort of want to touch upon, and then we can get into it. I want to go through each one of them just a little bit where I'm having a hard time, you know, especially I have gotten an opportunity to listen to some of the uh, Chicago radio stations, read some of the articles and I just don't think this starting rotation is quite getting the due that they deserve. And by that, I mean, you know, when you've been with something for a long time, you know, when you hop in that Toyota Camry and you turn it on, you kind of forget that it's a quality vehicle. You know what I mean? Like sure. you kind of wish you had a brand new car, but at the same time, yeah. your baby's still running and still getting the job done. Yeah, I still, still kind of good gas mileage. Yeah. yeah. I still kind of feel this way about the starting rotation. And I think another part of it too is last year, and it turned out to be true. I think a lot of those, um, you know, Pakota projections and things like that had the Cubs rotation regressing, especially John Lester. Yeah. And it turned out to be true. Um, whether yeah. they were actually completely correct in certain areas that I think can be easily fixed, I'm not quite sure. But let's just open it up with your thoughts right now on the starting rotation. Uh, overrated, underrated, properly rated. 
Well, let me say this first about the starting rotation. And, you know, you mentioned a moment ago about Lester kind of getting banged around yesterday. For me, in starting rotation in the spring training, I put almost no stock at all into what happens the first two weeks of spring training other than are they healthy. Because I, I knew before Lester even spoke yesterday what he was going to say, and that was I did nothing but throw fastballs today. I'm just simply trying to build the arm up and get fastball command, which is all these guys want to do in the first few weeks of spring training is establish the fastball and build the arm. Because you know in spring training anyways, your breaking pitches don't break like they will when you get into the actual city you pitch in outside of Colorado, right? So I will, I'm not worried about results the first two weeks at all for a starting pitcher as long as the help is there and they're building it up. As far as, like, the overall rotation kind of going into this year, I, I think you're right, man. Like, the, the potential is still there for these guys to be really, really, really good. If you get if, – if Darvish carries over second half last year into this year, all of a sudden you, you've got a legit ace, which maybe you didn't have last year, right? Uh, Hendricks, I, I just I – can't, I can't imagine him being as bad on the road again as he was last year. I just can't. So weird. can't imagine it. Can't imagine it. Quintana, and here's my huge, huge hope with Quintana. And, you know, we talked about Quintana. We were both on board if they had traded him in the offseason, but they didn't. So my huge hope for Quintana is it's a walk here, right? The guy's pitching for a contract. And you, we all know in sports, a lot of times that tends to be a very, very good motivational tool for a guy to just come out. And, you know, because and it, it feels like with Quintana, right, like he just – He'll dominate six starts and then lose his focus and gets just jacked for a month and then he and then he finds it again. So hopefully that motivation of wanting that next contract keeps him motivated throughout. Lester, I think at this point is what he is. He is your probably what your he probably is right where he's going to be about that fourth starter. If he could go out there and give you five to six somewhat quality innings, keep you in the ball game, you have to accept the fact he's going to give a home run up here now. Probably going to be a three run bomb on occasionally. But if he gets you five into the sixth inning and it's he's given up three to five runs, you're probably going to live with it, right? The fifth starter, and this is where you get a little worried, right, in, in the depth of the rotation. It seems like that's probably going to be Chatwood's job to lose. And he looked really good in that first outing. But, again, spring training, first outing, we'll take that for what it is. But where do you go behind that? You know, an Alec Mills, an Adbert Alzale, maybe a guy or two that we're not focusing on that will surprise us. But I think you're right. This this rotation, if they can just stay healthy, has the potential to help us be right there and potentially win the division again this year. Um, I agree with a lot, with a lot of you said. Um, Darvish, you know, let's put Darvish aside for a second because honestly, sure. I think we can all expect that Darvish might not be quite as good as the run that he had to finish up his year last sure. year. He might walk a few more guys. He might, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, it's bound it's bound to happen. But if he's yeah. just somewhere in that general area, you're right. You've got a pretty yeah. solid top of the rotation guy. The Hendricks stuff from last year, those road splits are so crazy and made so little sense and really just kind of bought into the whole concept of how that team couldn't really win on the road. I'm chalking yeah. that up completely to aberration. So Hendricks and Darvish, not too worried about, right? Mm -hmm. Go to Quintana, you know. Since 2016, his whip has gone from 1.16 to 1.39. Last year, he yep. allowed 10.5 hits per nine innings. Now, That's a couple a lot, of man. things to look at. You know, his bad bip was 329, which is a little bit above average for his career and above average for the league. You know, that could kind of come back a little bit. But, you know, the thing with Quintana is 
that dude cannot get through the fourth or fifth inning. And, and, and it's something, it's something nope. mental with him, right? Like, he, he only had one month last year where his ERA was under four, and that was the first month of the season. It was a 3.94 ERA. You're right. He did have a really good stretch there in August where I think he did have two-point-something ERA for about four or five starts in a row there. Like, it carried over from July to August, and then in September it completely fell apart. I still think, like, you know, God, his September is so bad, man. I mean, I've read the yeah. stats before, but – but holy shit, like 11.09 ERA, 18 and two-thirds innings, 37 hits, 23 runs, 2.25 whip, 402 opponent's batting average. Like, I mean, forget yeah. sign stealing. Well, Just for, put Jose yeah. Quintana out there. I mean, what's right. the difference? Well, and, well, and, you know, and, you know, and what was always crazy about Quintana, right, is it felt like and it looked like the guy would have a no-hitter through three innings, right? Like he would look like dominant where you're like, Oh man, this is like, this dude's an ACE today. And then something in the dugout would happen between inning two and three or three or four, where he would go from looking untouchable to coming out there, walk, hit a guy, double home run. And next thing you know, the guy goes from dominant, can't be in touch to you're like, wow, they got to pull him because it's, it's a five spot and there's still guys on base and we're at three to third innings here. And I got to be honest with you. I think I've pinpointed a particular issue. Don't have the exact stats right now, but listeners and Sean, if you go and look up Jose Quintana's splits, pick any year in his career. The dude cannot pitch during the daytime. He cannot. Really? Doesn't happen. Look up any year. His ERA is over four and a half. If you go to his numbers at night, most likely they're going to be under four, even down in the low threes possibly. Whatever it is, I don't know if it's because the, you know, the, maybe the hitters can see the ball a little bit better. Maybe his routine is a little bit off. He's not quite as yeah, loose as he needs to be. Say. Maybe his yeah. mental preparation isn't as sharp or ready to roll as it would be if it was a night game. But I'm telling you, it's getting to the point now where, you know, when Quintana's on the mound during the daytime, I don't know if I can bet on the Cubs, you know, you know with yeah. a whole heart and a full spirit. And I don't know if it's a situation, too, where – you know, obviously they're playing less and less day games, but you always have that getaway day. Yeah. And I don't know if there's a way where you can consistently throughout the season figure out how to move your rotation around to help him kind of avoid that certain situation. Sure. But just keep an eye on that. He cannot do it. During the daytime, his numbers are absolutely brutal. At night, it looks a little bit more like White Sox Quintana, the guy that they kind of traded yeah. for, which is, I mean, what's the irony, right? Like our daytime cubbies – give up the give up the whole give up a treasure chest to get Jose Quintana a dude that can't pitch during the day well and that's what I was just gonna say yeah they might be playing you know less and less day games but we still do play the most day games of anyone in baseball so that's a big problem if you can't pitch during the day and you pitch for the Cubs right so that that's crazy I didn't know that man I'm I'm definitely gonna look into that and see what those numbers look like because you know that's I'm telling you every year every single year it's at least at least a run and a half difference almost every single year. Well, you know, and this, that's insane, right? So you, you would think that if that's the case, you know, with, with the nerves, you know, in the, in the Ivy machine the Cubs have and all that, that they would notice that for sure and be like, we have to avoid him during the day like the plague. He pitches at night at all costs. We'll shuffle around, yada, yada, it's you the, know? Uh, it's, the rich, it's the Rich Harden complex. Remember that? Oh, boy, yeah. What was it? He had to pitch on the road and he had to pitch at night, yeah. something like that? It was, it was yeah. the same, it was the oh, same situation. I mean, 
you know, and, and we'll see. I'm not, I'm not expecting too much from Quintana. I am, I am quietly hoping that we can get just enough out of him because, yeah, I mean, I think he's the guy that you target if you want to get under the luxury tax and you want to move some money and you don't want to really hurt your team too badly. Jose Quintana is definitely a dude to look at and think about. I don't think we're re-signing him for Buku Bucks in the offseason. No. The trade has not really gone very well. The fit hasn't gone really great. You know, maybe he is just a fourth or fifth starter moving forward. And yep. if you can move that $11 billion and maybe hopefully get something else out of it, maybe that's where you kind of get under the luxury tax and not really dig yep. team on the field too badly. In terms yep. of Lester, you know, last year was brutal. His second half was just – you know, atrocious, a 535 ERA in the second half, 1.72 yeah. whip, 322 opponents batting average. He gave up 104 hits in his final 77 innings pitched. Um, you know, his final season whip was 1.50, which is crazy terrible. That is the worst since his rookie season. He gave up the most hits he's given up since 2013. Um, the bad bip was up. I think that had a lot to do with, you know, um, you know, Babip was 350 again, above league average. Then I had to do with some of the home runs that he gave up. Yeah. And his opponent's slugging percentage last year was 470, which also hammers right into what you're talking about, giving that occasional home run. But again, yeah. it's John Lester. You know what I'm saying? It's John Lester. And if you look at his Cubs career, he's put up uh, one mediocre year next to one fantastic year, yep. next to a mediocre year, next to a fantastic year. He just gave us the mediocre year. And I'm telling but you right now, dude. I don't care how old the dude is. I got a feeling that he wants to put a good season on the board. And I, I, I think that he can do it. I mean, it wasn't like his strikeout. His strikeout totals have been kind of going down. but They haven't gone drastically down. He can still miss some bats. And, you know, it's some simple stuff here. Like, again, like, what is it? He had a 552 ERA in the first inning last year. He had a 720 yep. ERA in the fourth inning last year. So the second time around in the lineup, like, you know, he just wasn't making those adjustments and executing, I think, the way that he wanted to. And I think, again, if you can get out of that first inning, something that was a big problem for him the first year that he was on the Cubs, I, you yep. know, I, I definitely think – I'm not saying he's a top-of-the-rotation guy, but I think a dude as a number three starter, I think you feel pretty good about that. Yeah, I, look, John, John Lester is a bulldog, and in a big game, you're, you're never going to shy away from him taking the ball. And I, I do think, too, and, and, I, and I've heard him talk about this, so I don't feel bad about saying this. I think, too, that from a physical standpoint, he, he, he didn't pitch in his best shape last year. He didn't show up in spring training in his best shape. Whereas, again, that's a thing you can you, – just using the eye test, you can look at him already this year and tell that he has slimmed down. He has showed up in better Good. shape. He's ready to go. So I think, you know, that – when you get to be 35, 36, it's hard enough to play a professional sport as it is. But if you try to play it in not your best shape, you're just you're screwing yourself. So I think that will help him as well, as well as like you just said, having that mentality of like last year wasn't great. I'm a better pitcher than that. Let me go out and remind everyone that I'm Johnny freaking Lesta and I've got rings on these fingers. Give me the ball. Let's go. So I, I, I and I can't remember. Is it is, is this his walk year or he has one more year after this? Was it six um, or seven years? I believe this, this is six is, years, this right? Is, this is his walk year. That's correct. Yeah, so that's uh, another another guy like Quintana that hopefully that's – I don't know that Lester wants to go past this, but I could see it. He's only 35, 36. He might want a couple more years in the show, I mean, right? Yeah, regardless, I think it's definitely a prove-it year. You know, he's cut from the same cloth yeah. as like a John Lackey, a dude who still wants to show yeah. that he can do it, even if he has to sh sign short-term deals for the rest of his career. And, I mean, man, you're totally right about last year. You know, 
you know, every once in a while, I'll admit, I'll watch the 2016 World Series videos. Uh, Absolutely. I'll, I'll put them on as I want to do from time to time. Absolutely. And, man, if you put, you look at Lester in 16 and you put a split screen up to him now, there's yeah. a body change difference. Let's, let's yep. be real about it. And I know John Lester's 36. I know a little something about being 36. I get it, baby. I hear you. It's an up and yep. down roller coaster. It's a constant uh -huh. battle. Monday through yep. Sunday. <laughs> you have a bad Seven day days. and you're working it off for two or three days. I totally get it. But it's great to hear that he's coming. He's looking a little bit leaner because, honestly, I think that has a big thing to do with it. I'm not saying that it's going to make him throw harder, but I do think that it's going to help no. him finish his pitches a little bit more, maybe give him a little more bite, maybe give him a little more zip, uh, just you know, mentally on the mound. To compete well, a it's a stamina bit more. thing too, right? I mean, it's a stamina yes, thing too, yes. you know. When and you're the pitching, when you're pitching a lot, yes. As I say, when you're pitching in the in the, the summer heat in Chicago, if you're out there out of shape, man, you're wilting by that third inning. All of a sudden, your velocity drops, your mental focus drops, which means your location is going to drop. Next thing you know, you've you've given up the walk, the blue pit, and the three run bomb because you're just you're struggling to just breathe out there. So being in shape is such a huge important part of especially as you get older and, and you're a guy that's going to exert as much as he does on that mound. And he's never been a guy that, I mean, every single year as a Cub, I'm pretty sure he has at least one, sometimes two starts where like the dude does not get out of the first inning, like yep. gives up seven runs, gets blown off, doesn't up. have it. And he's just run out of the park and that's okay. But I think as you get a little bit older, you try and minimize those situations as much as you possibly yeah. can. You try and do a lot more damage control. I mean, the dude knows how to pitch. It's all down to an execution thing. So I think if he puts himself physically in the type of shape that can at least allow him to do that, I think he is at least as someone that can have somewhat of a bounce back year. I'm thinking maybe, you know, an ERA under four, you know, maybe over three and a half, can still get you 12 to 14 wins, you know, can still pitch into the sixth inning, maybe the seventh inning every once in a while. And that's what you yeah. want out of a third or fourth starter. Absolutely. 100% agree. 100%. And finally, let's just wrap up with Tyler Chapwood. <laughs> the mystery box. <laughs> oh, Chatty. I could give you the oh, million Chatty. dollars or I could give you the contents of what's in this box. <laughs> oh, man. You know, God, that, that, he's just like, it's just like that, that dangling diamond in the sky that is just, if, if, if he could just cut the walks. I mean, okay. I'm not saying don't walk nobody. You're a human being. That's going to happen. But if you could just go from four, five, six walks a game down to two with that dude's velocity and his stuff and his movement, that's, that is a one, one, a two at worst tight pitcher that all of a sudden now you go, you know, Darvish, Chatwood, Hendricks with Lester as your four. Then you're just like salivating it. Like, Oh my God, are we going to, we're gonna win. We're gonna win ninety-five games again. Yeah. We got dominance. We got what dominance. If? Oh, because then you then you go from you know having kind of like Lester and Hendricks and Gitana that are both that are all kind of you know soft tossers, if you will, eighty-eight to ninety-two on the fastball, to having Darvish and Chatwood who are up there at ninety-six to ninety-eight through five, six, seven innings, and, and still spinning just, oh, it at like eighty-nine. Still spinning it, man. It just changes the entire complex of that rotation. If, if that guy could just put it together. And, again, he's another guy, too, man. It's a walk here. This is it for him with this contract, too. You know, three-fifths of the Cubs' rotation are pitching for something beyond this year. And they have, you know, 
more than just the team to think of and, and whatever they put out this year. So you're hoping that happens as well. And the guy just comes out and dominates and we can forget two years ago and he gets his due, you know? I got to be honest. I like his upside this year. I like everything that kind of is coming together, uh, you know, from uh, a peripheral level, like on a very broad sense of, yeah, like you said, walk year. He's been on the team for three years. Went through a terrible year where mentally I think he lost his confidence. Came back last year and had positive moments, even if Joe Madden never really trusted him at any particular moment. But all accounts are that he's a good dude in the clubhouse. Seems like a good guy. Absolutely. Getting an opportunity now with great stuff. And I think he's at a place where he could possibly put it all behind him and put it together and have a pretty decent year. I was looking through his numbers. There is one thing that kind of uh, scares me just a little bit. And obviously the reason why that the Cubs signed him in the first place were that his road home splits were, were night yeah. and day, couldn't pitch in cores, was really good on the road. All that stuff is true. The one thing that also is very true is, and Cubs fans need to prepare themselves for this, he could get off to a great start. Every single June or July, pick one of the months, he falls apart. He falls yeah. apart for at least a month, and it's pretty bad. I mean, we're talking like ERAs in the nines, the eights, um, and it just happens. He seems to kind of rebound and kind of put it back together, but it seems like, you know, and the league is all about adjustments. Sort of, sort of, sort of seems like he gets off to a decent start. The league adjusts to him. He struggles for a decent while, like once summer hits, got to adjust yeah. again, maybe can't get away with some of the pitches that you can't think you can get away with when the, when the weather gets a little hotter, when the wind yeah, starts blowing course. out a little bit. And I just want to begin to prepare myself for that mentally. If he does start having some issues around then, can he right the ship? It doesn't mean that he's falling off, you know, doesn't mean he's falling yeah. off the earth, but it's in his career numbers. I mean, it's a trend that has definitely happened through the last five or six years of his career. He struggles around that time of year. Kind of interested to see how it plays out. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, in, in, we, when we've talked about a lot of good stuff with the Cubs rotation, I think what you just said about Chatwood, you know, is one of the two things with the Cubs rotation that I look at and, and, and I do worry. You know, one for me, A, is health because a lot of these guys, a lot of innings now getting up there in age. And then the other thing is that we do just have a few guys in that rotation that tend to absolutely fall off the face of the earth for a month a month and a half at a time and all the, and, and, you know, God forbid if, if two of those guys do that at the same time, right. If you, if you've got a Chatwood and a Quintana that both falling off the, the face of the earth from mid June to mid July, that really sinks your team. That really, like that blows your bullpen up. It really, you know, when you're going out there knowing, Hey, we don't have a chance to win two out of every five days because these guys are just nowhere to be found right now. They don't have no card. So that is those are my two main worries with with the Cubs because again, like I mentioned earlier in the opening here, you know what is the depth behind these these top fives? God forbid one of them goes down or one of them is so bad that you have to put Chatwood back in the bullpen. Who's the next man up from the from from AAA or from one of the signings this year, right? And you're bringing up a great point. Who is the stopper? You know who yeah. stops the losing streak? I mean. Darvish has the best stuff, was the best pitcher last year. We're expecting, expecting him to do that again this coming season. Uh, you know, can he be your, star, can he be your stopper? Uh, we'll find out. Hendricks is a stopper, always has kind of scared me a little bit. 
because, you know, every once in a while he's either got a cooking or cooking and cooking, or sometimes he'll yep. give up that three run bomb in the third inning. Next thing you know, he's given up five runs and about three or four innings pitch. And he's not necessarily my quintessential vision or version of a stopper, in my opinion. No. Especially when the wheels are kind of falling off a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, so he's going to be that guy. Yeah. And, you know, and Hendricks is another one of those guys, too, that gets a real, real bad case of first inning itis way, way too much, right? That leadoff home run or that, that bloop and a two run home run, and you're coming out of the first inning down one or two right away. So you're right. Who is the stopper? I mean, I, it, it, it feels like, right, it has to be you, Darvish. Like, he has to be the guy because his stuff is the – you've heard that for three years now. His stuff is the best. It feels like it has to be him. Like, it probably was Lester for a while, but I think for the most part, he's probably a little bit past that capability of, like – I mean, you never know. Again, like we said, he's still well, yeah, John I mean, Lester. Put it in the category of, you know – the Cubs are playing the Cardinals and Jack Flaherty's on the mound. Who do you want pitching against him? You want Darvish. Well, I, you know, I tell you, it, and I think this kind of goes into matchup a bit too. You probably want Darvish, but if it's the Cardinals specifically, I probably want Kyle Hendricks. He dominates yeah. him. He, yeah, he dominates the cart, right? But I, I, I get your point. I get your point though. You know, you've got to, you've got to, you know, you've lost the, you've lost the first two games of a series. You're trying not to get swept. Who's the guy you want on the mound going up the other team? the other teams one or two on that game three yeah, I think it has to be Darvish that's the guy you need it to be and and it's not too dissimilar from a lot of other teams in the league like sure Cubs rotation has questions but has capability and yeah. in my opinion you know the Brewers rotation doesn't really scare me a whole lot you know nope. the Cardinals the Cardinals with Flaherty at the top pretty you know that's that's a really great start you know it's, what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, you got another year of Michaelis. There's a bunch of other guys. They don't have Waka anymore. They, they have a well, lot of Michael, interesting yeah. moving parts. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, my, my Michaelis is hurt right now. They don't know if Martinez is going to be their closer or the starter. So, either way, whichever one he is, they have a hole to fill for the spot he doesn't take, right? So yeah. Correct. And the, then – The Reds then, are the one team, right? The Reds are the one team, and, you know – there's a, I, I'm, I'm still kind of like sifting through my thoughts on them, right? Because, you know, you got Bauer, you got Sonny Gray, you got Castillo. You got some yeah. really interesting arms in that rotation, right? Do I trust that type of rotation through an entire season? I'm not so sure yet, but I will tell you that I think that rotation will give the Cubs big-time problems this year. Uh, that's yeah. a swing-and-miss rotation. Yep. We at fastball times can be up. a swing-and-miss lineup. Yep, fastball change-up. Yep. And um, – you know, I'm kind of interested to see where that sort of leans right now. I'm a bit on the seesaw of where they could possibly go. I mean, I think there's a, there's a world where the Reds rotation can easily dominate the Cubs on a consistent basis throughout the whole yeah. season. I could also see that rotation, too, either having injury problems or major inconsistency problems. Like, who says that Sonny Gray is going to stay healthy? You know, who says that Trevor Bauer is going to keep his head on straight? You know what I mean? Like, the yeah. guy was a, the he, guy can be amazing and the guy can be a mess. And as he's shown throughout the past, I mean, the Cubs have had pretty decent success against him before. Yeah. You know, Luis Castillo has all the talent in the world, has never really quite put it together for a full season. You know, I think there's a lot there to kind of, you know, I think there's a lot of uncertainty there that I'm not really willing to sure. buy in all this big red machine buzz that they're going to run away with the division and all that crap. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's, that's a lot of new guys and a lot of new change on a team all at once. And, you know, just like we've all, we all know, we've all seen and heard and read just because you win the off season doesn't mean you win the regular season. That's a lot of new faces and, and you're right. You know, 
you know now granted they gave the Cubs fits last year as constituted so you'd like to see the Cubs be a lot better against them specifically this year for for not for for many reasons but yeah I agree with you man and the and the other team the Pirates the Pirates don't scare you at all they're there's they another are, team there's a I mean they're for, they're we, full on dumpster yeah we forgot to talk I mean, about another know. team yeah no, no 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 I mean if you're not taking business against not taking care of business against the Pirates this year I mean you should pretty much just forget it uh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean and uh and then I, you know, we'll see what happens with the Brewers. You know, there's a lot of rumblings and rumors out there that they might have been doing a few things that uh, that they you know, should not have been doing. Maybe, maybe not should have been doing. Yeah. And I'm interested to see how you know Yelich handles uh, the one-two uh, slider this year at home, as opposed to yeah. uh, years past. Let's just leave it at that, right? Yeah, absolutely, see, for sure. Let's see what those splits we'll are like. That. Yeah, let's see what it's like yeah. at home. Uh, you got to get out of here, man. Thanks for checking in with us. Great to talk to you, Sean. We'll talk you to too, you brother. soon. You got anything? Got anything to plug theatrically? Anything? Uh, anything going on with uh, the film? Anything going on with the acting right now? Uh, yeah, man. With the film, we got a couple of festivals uh, coming up. We were just uh, at Simply Indie Fest in Evan, Oklahoma, this past weekend. Our little film is twelve fourteen, and then coming up in the next few weeks, we're down at uh, Lake Travis Film Festival, just outside of uh, Austin, Texas. That's awesome. And if people wanted to maybe follow the news and updates on 1214, is there a place that they could go to check it out? Absolutely, brother, man. We got a page up on Facebook, 1214 Movie, or you can also go to Instagram, same thing, 1214 Movie. And we're always putting new stuff up. The film is officially up on IMDb. You can give it a check there. And more festivals to come over the next few months, we're hoping. That's beautiful. You're the man, Sean. Thanks for talking, you man. You too, buddy. Thanks for having me, buddy. All right, dude. Thank you so much for joining us on Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos with our Cubs Spring Training Check-In. Make sure you check us out for the rest of our podcast coming up this week. We're going to be talking more White Sox. We are going to be getting into some Bears free agency tune. So make sure you guys stick around to check that out. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.